uh, into your heart and your life and just to have them here. That's so, uh, I want to thank you guys again. And um, we're going to miss you guys, but we're going to see you back here too. We're going to make it happen somehow. So um, anyways, so that's it. Give them another hand. Thank you guys. And uh, actually, Katie is going to be giving us the word tonight. So I've had a little glimpse of this. This is going to be awesome. So buckle up. Um, we need a little stand here, so I think we are trying to find one, but I'm going to steal Aaron's here in the meantime. Not to be high maintenance or anything. Sorry, guys. Liz, do you want to hold it for me? Yeah, yeah. Improvise. Oh, that'll work. Oh, oh. Sweet. All right. So I'm Katie, for those of you who don't know me. Um, just want to give you guys a little bit of background on, on who I am and how I got here just to kind of uh, run into the message. Because I just, tonight, kind of want to give you guys a glimpse of where I've come from um, and just what God's done in my life and what I really feel like he's doing in this ministry and, and in the people here um, so I moved, I grew up, I was born and raised in L.A., uh, came up here to go to Sac State in 2005, um, so that makes six years exactly, actually, from today uh, that I moved up here. Um, graduated from Sac State, I had never gone to church before. Uh, I was baptized Catholic as a baby, so if you count that, you know, I was totally into it. Um, <laughs> And then, I mean, I went to a Christian school for about a week, and then my parents pulled me out. Uh, And then I went to Catholic Mass on Easter and Christmas, so that was like the extent of my knowledge of God, um, which, as I'm sure you can imagine, wasn't a ton. Uh, And then one day, I was living over on Lincoln Village right here, and I just kind of wandered into church. (laughs) Lincoln Village, yeah, you got it. (laughs) Really nice area if you haven't been there. You want to go check it out. Um... Yeah, so I was, I went on a bike ride with a friend and got a flat tire, and the next logical thing to me was to come check out that huge church next to my house. Like, there's really nothing, uh, there's no, um, there's really nothing to explain it except for it was, it was God moving on my life, and um, came here, came to Identic at the time, got plugged in with them, uh, met some awesome people, kept coming, uh, Got saved on my first mission trip here with uh, our first trip to El Salvador is where I really kind of um, committed my life to God and made that decision that, that you know, the old Katie is gone. Um, and then, yeah, so, I mean, I've, I've, I was pretty much born and raised in this ministry, too. You know, like, this is, this is, uh, this is home for me. Um, yeah, and so that's kind of where I'm at, and now I'm getting ready to move back. I'm going back home, back to the uh, the motherland, if you will. Um, and so I've just kind of been on this mental journey of, of trying to kind of inspect the foundation of my life. Like everything that, that God has done in me has been here and every you know piece of junk that I had been carrying around with me was back there. Uh, no one knows me as a Christian back home. No one, no one knows me as the person that, that people here know me as. And I, I know that it's easy to um, go back into an old situation and just live down to those expectations. Uh, so just as I'm, I'm getting ready, I'm leaving on Saturday, which is crazy. It came up so fast. Um, but I'm just kind of, you know, checking my tires and making sure I got oil in my car and stuff. You know, I'm, I don't want to, the last thing I want to do is move back home and totally blow it and just lose everything that God's done in my life and just kind of turn my back on it. So I'm, I've really just been kind of digging deep into the basics, into the, the foundation of my relationship with God, and just, just trying to make sure that everything is set, that I haven't, you know, built my house on sand, that I wasn't the, the seed thrown into the thorns, and that none of, you know, that my roots are deep. And so I want us to, just as a group, do that tonight. Um, so last week, Camille talked about uh, having your identity in Christ, and it was just an amazing night. If you weren't here, I totally insist that you go online and get that that message and and listen to it and just uh I kind of want to pull from that and build on it that we we talk about having our identity in Christ but I think a lot of us don't actually know who Christ is 
and we don't actually know um, what an identity in Christ is because we, we just kind of hear the fairy tales about him. You know, I know for a long time I was coming to church and, and Jesus was just like this like figurine in my mind. He wasn't real and he wasn't, you know, he, he never did any of the stuff that people said he did. It was just like this nice story. And um, I just want us to all examine our lives and make sure that that's not where we're at. So I start out, I want to read Matthew twenty two thirty seven. It says, love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind. And then Jesus says, this is the first and greatest commandment. And I, I want to get into tonight, like, why that is the first and greatest commandment. Why, why out of everything God could have said to do, that's the first. And I, I think that um, our culture, and I know especially for me, we want to, like, skip that first step. You know, we get, like, the Ikea directions, and we just want to jump over that first one where you're, like, laying everything out and making sure you have all the pieces. Like, I never count things. I'm terrible at that. Uh, but I'm also the one who's spent three hours building an Ikea dresser and realized that that first piece was on backwards, and now there's, like, the wood grain showing, you know? So, uh, <laughs> so I just want us to really focus in on that. And then also uh, Romans 12.1. Therefore, I urge you, brethren, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies a living and holy sacrifice, acceptable to God, which is your spiritual service of worship. I think those two really, um, they just, I mean, tie together. If you're worshiping God with everything you have, that's how you love him. That's how you love him with everything, is you worship him with everything. And that's, that's really what we're called to. We're called to that life where everything that we do is worship to God, and, and it's, it, it's hard, and it's weird sometimes, and it's like, I'm eating pizza in the back. Like, how do I worship God doing that? But um, that's what we're called to, so we got to figure it out, right? <laughs> so there's three specific questions that um, I feel like God was putting on my heart for me and for this group. Like, I feel like this is, it's weird. Like, I feel like Epic Life's journey is like my journey. Like, we kind of grew together, and, and every like milestone I had, I feel like it was a milestone at Epic Life. They just kind of coincided. Um, so the first is, who do I believe that God is? The second is, why do I worship him? And the third is, how do I live a life of worship? And so obviously, I mean, these are pretty basic things. And if you just kind of groaned and rolled your eyes, you probably need to hear this more than anybody else in here. Um, so just... You know, you can't, you can't build a skyscraper on a, a thin little cracked foundation. And I think that's what a lot of us try to do with our lives. You know, we, um, we come in and we're like, God, cool, awesome. Like, make me a pastor. Or, you know, like, make me an evangelist. Like, I am an apostle now. And it, I think like, we all have these grand dreams of what we want to be in God and what we want him uh, to do through us. But but we really got to, like, spend a lot of time on that foundation. Like, it's not an easy period, and it's not, um, it's not always a fun period, you know, like pulling the weeds and, and flattening the ground, and then it's like a squirrel comes, and you got to get rid of that. And, you know, you're just like, it's like this constant battle just to lay a foundation so you can build something on top of it. But um, if my life is a testimony to anything, it's that it's worth that, that waiting period. It's worth that period where you're not... You're not seeing anything on top. You're not seeing the growth necessarily, but, but God is doing such a, a deep work in you, and he's really just, just setting that foundation so that when he does start to build his church and when he does start to build your life, that you're not going to just get swept away by the wind. You know, like a, a hurricane's going to come, or not even a hurricane, a light wind, and you're like gone. Okay, so let's dive into the first question. Uh, who do I believe that God is? And I think that this is, as a Christian, the most important thing about you. If you don't know who God is, if you, if you believe in the wrong God, if you've got a certain aspect of his, his you know, personality wrong, it's going to shoot you on the wrong course. It's, it's going to be totally devastating. And uh, for those of you that know me, you know that I love A.W. Tozer. Um, <laughs> I know Alexis does too. So uh, he's got this book called The Knowledge of the Holy, and he just breaks down all these different attributes of God and then blows your mind with them. It's crazy. It's like five pages and you want to cry. Um, just kidding. So, <laughs> and this, okay, so I'm reading this. This is just the preface of his book. I haven't even gotten to the first chapter yet. 
He says, the church has surrendered her once lofty concept of God and has substituted it for one so low, so ignoble, as to be utterly unworthy of thinking, worshiping men. This she has not done deliberately, but little by little and without her knowledge, and her very unawareness only makes her situation all the more tragic. The low view of God entertained, entertained almost universally among Christians is the cause of a hundred lesser evils everywhere among us. And then in going on into the first chapter, <clears throat> he says, we tend by a secret law of the soul to move toward our mental image of God. So, if we're moving towards our mental, we're, we're made to be, we're made to have our identity in Christ, we're made to reflect him, we're made to, to be like Jesus, but if we're getting him wrong, then we're reflecting the wrong thing. We're doing the wrong things. We're saying the wrong things. We're, your life is just pointed in the wrong direction. And, and I think he hits the nail on the head when he says that like, every lesser evil stems from an issue of not knowing who God really is. Because if you don't know who God really is, then you don't know who you were really made to be. Um, and I think that I went through this period where I was like, God, I don't, like, I know I'm supposed to love you, and I know I'm supposed to, like, you know, follow you, and I'm supposed to be excited about this whole thing, but I'm not, like, I can't lie, you know, and I think that what I've learned is that if you don't love him, if you're not captivated by him, if you're not excited about him, it's because you don't know him, and that's okay for a while, you know, it's okay when you first come into this and you've, you know, the world has told you who God is and you've followed these other gods and you're, you're trying to figure it all out. It's fine that you don't know who he is, but um, you've got you to make that journey. You've got to take those steps. You've got to dig deep into the word. You've got to dig deep into, into people's testimonies and you've got to figure out who God is because if you know him, I guarantee you, you will love him. And the more you know him, the more you'll love him, and the more captivated you'll be, and the more you'll want to worship him, and the more this, and the more that, and the more you'll look like Christ. And it's, it's this thing where you stop trying to look like God, and it's like all of a sudden, I'm reflecting, you know, like I, I understand, like I, I love him, and because I love him, I do all these things. And because I'm captivated, I do all these things. And um, Okay, so anyways, next point. <laughs> I just want to share with you guys some of my favorite things about God and just the things that he's, I mean, obviously I love them all, love everything about God, but um, there's some that are just like awesome to me. And the first is the doctrine of incomprehensibility. And I want to bring in another Tozer quote for this because he says it way better than I can. Okay. He says, we learn by using what we already know as a bridge over which we pass to the unknown. It is not possible for the mind to crash suddenly past the familiar into the totally unfamiliar. Even the most vigorous and daring mind is unable to create something out of nothing by a spontaneous act of imagination. Those strange beings that populate the world of mythology and superstition are not pure creations of fancy. The imagination created them by taking the ordinary inhabitants of earth and air and sea and extending their familiar forms beyond their normal boundaries, or by mixing the forms of two or more so as to produce something new. However beautiful or grotesque these things may be, their prototypes can always be identified. They're like something we already know. So what, what he's saying there is that anything in this world that has been made by us, by our imagination, by, um, you know, like you see those pictures. I just got back from a trip with 22 kids. Uh, we took them down to L.A. to see UCLA and the beach and Disneyland. And kids come up with the craziest things that's just like... They're drawing stuff, and it's like all of these animals mixed in one, but it's all drawn out of what they know. Like, they don't just, it, it like looks like a lion, or it looks like a bear, or it looks like 18 animals mixed together, but it's, it looks like something. Um, and that's how our minds work, is like we can, only, we can only go off of what we know, what we've seen, and, and God doesn't fit into any of that. He's incomprehensible. Um, and, and you can see that in Ezekiel, Ezekiel when he sees heaven opened, or you can see it in, in Revelation. It, it's, they have no words to describe what the throne of God looks like. 
It looked like a sea of glass. Like, what does that even mean? Or it, it you know, the, it, Ezekiel's talking about the living creatures, and they look like burning coals. Like, have you ever seen an animal that looks like burning coals? Like, it, it wasn't burning coals, but it looked like it. And they just can't, there's no words to describe what they saw. Because God is incomprehensible. Like, you can't fully understand him. And I want to tell you now that if you fully understand the God that you're following, you are not following the real God. And your God is boring and it's dead. I'm serious, guys. Like, if you can fully understand your God, it is not the real God and you're wasting your time because it can't do anything for you. And it doesn't love you. And it probably doesn't have any feelings anyways, so whatever. (laughs) But seriously, God, like, I mean, guys, I just called you guys a God. That's not right. Um, Anyways, like how awesome is that? Is that we get to be in a relationship with, we are insanely jealously loved by something, someone so big that we can't understand them. Like just let that sink into you right now. I'm just, you know, pregnant pauses right here. Uh, next point, God is who he says he is. Like, look to the scripture if you want to know God. Liz has some handouts there. and it, I mean, obviously, none of these are exhaustive lists because God is incomprehensible and he's infinite. Um, but the, this is just some of what God says he is. And now, like, read through this and, hey, Ashley, <laughs> uh, read through this and, and, you know, add to it yourself. Sorry, I get so distracted. Um, like, the scripture is full of it. God is endlessly faithful. He's, he is love. God is love. I don't even know what that means, but it sounds great. <laughs> and now you're all going to be reading that instead of listening to me. <laughs> Bad choice, huh? So and now I'm going to read through that list. Just kidding. Job 9.4. Okay, this is probably like my favorite one on my list. His wisdom is profound. His power is vast. We love and we serve a God who is infinitely powerful and infinitely wise. And that's incredible in and of itself. I mean, he, God always knows the right thing to do. God always has the answer. God's never confused. He's never like, what's going on there? Like, he knows. God knows. And not only does he know everything, but he has all of the power in the world to do whatever he wants. But he doesn't kill us. That's awesome. You know, like, I just think about, like, if some people I knew had infinite power, I would be running for my life constantly, like, waiting to stamp me out. But, like, just think about that. That's, that's incredible. God has infinite power, and he never makes the wrong decision. Ever. 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 Like, I want you to think of one person that's never made the wrong decision. Doesn't exist. Like, a, a politician, and this is, this is awesome, because this is, this is Jesus, and Jesus is coming back for us, and he's going to establish his kingdom here. And he's infinitely powerful and infinitely wise. Like, we don't have to worry anymore. There's no oppression. There's no, like, what's going on here? There's no more, like, Facebook posts about how terrible the government is. You know, like, he knows. He's got it. It's under control. Um, Next one. God is truth. God is truth. He doesn't just know the truth. He's not just familiar with the truth. He is it. God is the truth. And I, okay, if there's one thing I hate in this world, it's being lied to. Like, I can't stand it. Being lied to, being manipulated, being, you know, like, I can't stand it. Even to the point where, like, I feel convicted if I'm, like, if I get a fact wrong, even if, like, I didn't mean to. You know, like, I just hate people being misled. Um, And so I went through this whole dilemma where it's like, okay, you know, I read through the story in Exodus where Aaron throws his staff down and it turns into a snake, and then some other guy throws his staff down and it turns into a snake too. And I was like, 
so how do I know? You know, like, how do I know that I'm not following the weird, like, you know, magician guy and that I'm actually following God? Like, what? Uh, this doesn't even make any sense. But um, if I would have read just a few more verses without getting all upset, uh, you see that Moses has Aaron throw his staff down and turns into a snake. The other guy's staff turns into a snake. And then God's snake eats the other one. Like, God wins every time, and God is the truth. Like, if you just, if you give it, if you give the picture enough time, if you give the dust enough time to settle, like, God always comes out on top. He's always the more powerful one, because he's infinitely powerful. Infinitely, infinitely. Like, there's, there's nothing cooler than that in my mind. Um, and then there's, I mean, there's the story of Elijah, like, Elijah calling down the fire is a great story in the Bible, and so there's, you know, there's all these people worshiping Baal, and so, you know, he has this great line about, like, if Baal is God, follow Baal, but if God is God, worship God, and, you know, he's being all intense, so they, he, he says, Elijah tells them, you know, get an ox, and put it on the altar, and I'll get an ox, and I'll put it on my altar, and, and we'll see who's God lights it on fire. Who's God burns it. I'm like, okay, I can get into this, you know. So the, the people that worship Baal are praying like for hours and hours and all night and all day and nothing happens. Their ox is just dead there. Like nothing's going on. And then Elijah prays to God and fire comes from the sky and burns the sacrifice. Like that's intense. Because with me, are you laughing at me? You're laughing at me. But, but so I, I just, like, I really want to drive the point home that you can spend all of the, you can spend all of your time trying to pick out every lie and trying to find every falsehood, but the world is full of them. That's all there is. Like, the only way to be living in the truth and the only way to be able to spot a lie is to know the truth, and the truth is God. You'll, you'll never be able to isolate the truth by isolating all of the lies. Like, you got to find the truth, and the lies will fall. The, the false snakes will be eaten. The false sacrifices won't be burned. Like, God proves himself to us. Moving on. I know I'm saying, like, everything is my favorite, but this is seriously one of my favorite stories in the Bible. <laughs> Okay, so in Mark chapter 2, verse, starting in verse 3, there's a story about um, these four friends. And I always thought it was cool because I was like, I'm t- I totally want to be one of those friends. Like, you never want to be the paralyzed guy. But uh, so, so they're carrying their friend on a mat. Their friend is paralyzed, right? So they're carrying their friend on a mat because they know where Jesus is. And so they're taking him to Jesus, and they get to where he is, and the house is full. It's overflowing. They can't get anywhere near him. Nowhere near him. So, you know, what do they do? They don't turn around like, oh, well, we'll see Jesus later. If it was God's will, we would have made it. Um, They climb on the roof of this house. It's not theirs. It's not even their house. Like, they don't even know whose house it is. They climb on the roof, and they dig a hole in the roof. They dig a hole in the roof, and they lower this guy down to Jesus because they know, they know who God is. They know that if Jesus touches that man, that he's going to get up, that he's going to be healed forever. They know it. And I, I want to challenge you, like, do you believe in God like that? That for your friend, that you would carry them miles to a house and climb on the roof and dig a hole and lower them down. Like, do you believe in God that much? Because I can tell you there's plenty of times in my life where I don't. Especially when I'm the one on the mat. Especially when I have the problem. And I don't want to let my friends carry me. Or I don't want to, you know, I don't want to ask God because it's probably not his will anyways. But do you believe that? Why do I worship? Well, it's the first commandment. I worship because God told me to. No. 
the, the <laughs> I worship because I was made for that. God made us to worship things. To worship him, excuse me. <laughs> I'm giving you guys false theology. I hate lies. Sorry, guys. But, but to love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your mind, with all your strength, with all your everything, it's the first commandment. Because if you get that right, everything in the Christian life flows out of that. If you love God with everything you have, guaranteed you love your neighbor. Guaranteed you love yourself. Guaranteed you love the widow. Guaranteed you love the orphan. orphan. Guaranteed poverty makes you cry. Guaranteed all of these things. But it, it starts with learning to love God. Next one. I worship because I know that I become what I behold. I become what I behold. What I look at is where I'm going. Uh, Ashley took me mountain biking for my first time. Uh, I don't even two years ago, and um, she basically threw my bike out of the car and said, "Just look at where you want to go. Don't look at the rocks. Just look at where you want to go." I was like, "Okay." I mean, I fell like 15 times, but that's irrelevant to this analogy. Um, <laughs> The point is, is if I stare at that big boulder that looks like it wants to annihilate me, that's exactly what I'm going to hit. I'm going to run right into that rock, and I'm going to be a bloody mess even more than I already was. It was an ugly, it was an ugly trip. You guys don't even want to know. I, I, okay, this is totally irrelevant, but it's a good story. They all took off in front of me. Great friends, guys. Thanks a lot. And, and so I'm back there, like, pedaling, dying, and there's this little lip that I can't see, and there's a rock on the other side that I can see, but I don't know how the heck I'm going to get around it. So I go off this lip, and I don't pull up on my handlebars, and I go straight, and I flipped, and I slid, and there was a cliff on the other side of me. So I could've, it could have very much been worse. Like, I might not have been here talking to you guys. But uh, I slid, and my entire right side was a mixture of blood and dirt and rocks and gravel like I think I still have gravel embedded in my skin because of that and and all thanks to my friends thanks a lot guys so anyways back to the back to the message I worship because it brings freedom what you worship is what controls you I think we all can testify to that, especially those of us who have worshipped other things besides God. Um, if you worship money, you're a slave to greed. Every decision that you make, it has, it has to get you more money. It has to get you more stuff. It has to make you better than this person. It has to make you better than that person. You're a slave to that. That's it. That's what your life revolves around, is being better and having more. If you worship your possessions, you're a slave to your materialism. If it doesn't give you more stuff, then you don't do it. If it does get you more stuff, then you do it no matter what it is. If you worship comfort, you avoid everything that makes you uncomfortable. And we all know that that is not a life to live. Like, this, this trip that I just got back from, 22 kids, like 12 liters or something, some people in here were on that trip, not comfortable at all. Like, I don't have my own kids. I don't know how to take care of kids, but there's all of a sudden, like, all of these kids entrusted into my care. I don't know what their parents are thinking. But, uh, but you know, it's like we're in Carl's Jr., and I'm like, one, two, three, four, one, two, three, four, like, trying to make sure that we have all the kids all the time, and then we take them to Disneyland, and it's like, you can't, you can't keep a leash on those kids at Disneyland. Like, they're off. They want to go. It is not comfortable at all, but I can tell you that, that part of who I am, I was made to love inner city kids. And I never feel more alive than when I'm with them. It was not comfortable. It was actually the opposite of comfortable. And you can ask Eric and Camille, they saw me right after that trip, and they were like, you, guys, you look like you're about to die. <laughs> and I mean, it pretty much was. But, uh, like, if, if I'm a... And I, I used to be a slave to my comfort. Like, I had my 10-year plan when I was, like, 8 years old. Like, I knew exactly what I wanted to do, and God said no, and I could have said see ya. But he took everything. He took my, my life plan. He took my career path. He took, he took everything. 
And I'm not comfortable right now. Like, moving home isn't comfortable for me. But I know that I know that I know that I know that God is calling me to it. And so you got to do it. Got to do it. If you worship Jesus, what are you a slave to? You're a slave to God? Who cares? Like, that's awesome. You're a slave to someone infinitely powerful and infinitely wise and all of these things incomprehensible. (laughs) Like, I can do that. I can be a slave to someone who, like, wants the best for me. That's not hard. He's like, hey, Katie, go do what you were meant to do. I'm like, okay. (laughs) I don't want to. You know, like, you don't know. I know I had another good point on that, but I can't remember right now. You guys are making me nervous. I'm glad you're sitting in the front row. This makes me feel really good. This is great. I worship because I am forgiven and washed clean of every sin. Another Tozer quote for this, and I promise you this is the last one. Page three. Okay, it's a long one. Are you guys ready? Buckle up. (laughs) But even if the multiple burdens of time may be lifted from man, the one mighty single burden of eternity begins to press down upon him with a weight more crushing than all the woes of the world piled up one upon the other. That mighty burden is his obligation to God. It includes an instant and lifelong duty to love God with every power of mind and soul, to obey him perfectly, and to worship him acceptably. And when the man's laboring conscience tells him that he has done none of these things, but has from childhood been guilty of foul revolt against the majesty in the heavens, the inner pressure of self-accusation may become too heavy to bear. The gospel can lift this destroying burden from the mind, give beauty for ashes, and the garment of praise for the spirit of heaviness. But unless the weight of the burden is felt, the gospel can mean nothing to the man. And until he sees the vision of God high and lifted up, there will be no woe and no burden. Low views of God destroy the gospel for all who hold them. So I want to challenge you guys with this. I I remember going through this funk uh, about four months ago where I just felt so heavy and so just like defiled and so like beaten down. And, And it was then that I really felt like God was saying like, like that he was, he was showing me the burden that I couldn't bear. He was showing me what I've been saved from, what I've been cleaned of, what I, what's been taken off of my shoulders. And I want to challenge you that if you've never felt the weight of that burden, then you've bought a cheap gospel. It's cheap, and it's not going to save you. And it's not going to save anyone else. If you've never felt that, that weight that almost crushes you. It makes you feel like that big where you're like, I can't take another step, God. Like, you've got to take this. If you've never felt that, then I, I think... Great. That's <laughs> ah, fine. Uh, but if you've never felt that burden, like, you don't really know what you're saved from. And if you don't know what you're saved from, do you know that you're saved? serious stuff. Like, I don't want anyone in this room to go on thinking that they're okay when they're not. There's that that verse in Matthew, I think it's, I'm not going to even try, but it's that verse that, that says that, you know, all these guys at the end of their life come to Jesus and said, like, Lord, Lord, didn't we, didn't we cast out demons in your name? Didn't we do all of these good things? Didn't we love inner city kids in your name? Didn't we, uh, didn't we build houses in your name? Didn't we go on mission trips in your name? And Jesus says, I never knew you. I never knew you. That should terrify you. But it's not because, it's not because God is this sadistic guy sitting in heaven, like, I'm going to make that guy think that he knows me, and then at the end of his life, I'm going to pull out the rug, and I'm going to get him. Like, no, God loves you. He wants you in heaven. He's got your name. He's holding your ticket. He wants you to have it. But have you felt that burden? Have you felt it? And if not, what are you going to do about it? Pray for it. That's what I'm telling you. Pray for it. I'm serious. Like, there is a, a 
period of my life where I said, uh, you know, God, I don't, I don't feel that I need Jesus. Like, I know that you say I do, but I don't feel that. Like, I don't, I don't know what it even feels like. Like, what, what would it feel like to not have that? And he showed me, and it scared the crap out of me. Like, I, I, n- I never want to feel that again. Like, you n- the burden of sin, the burden of what we've all done since we were little tiny babies is too much. It's too much. And then I want to tell you that if you feel that burden right now, if you are carrying around everything that you've ever done and you're, you know, keeping the tally marks, I want to challenge you that you are religious. You're religious and you're living a repetitious life and you don't know God either. We, we worship the God who takes that away. His burden is easy and his yoke is light. You can only know how light the yoke is when you felt the heavy one, but you can choose to carry around the heavy one as long as you please. God's not going to take anything that you're not going to give. I worship God because that's where I feel fulfilled. I remember the first time I went, I went to the One Thing conference out in Kansas City. I don't know if any of you know that the, that you know group, the IHOP group. And I, I mean, I wasn't even like, I was kind of like the half-in Christian, like still feeling out the water, like doing like this. But I felt like God was telling me to go to that conference, and I was like, whatever. You know, I bought my plane ticket. I was like, I'll go, but I don't know, you know. I got rocked at that conference. Like, ask anyone who knew me before that and then knows me now that I come back. Like, totally different person, but that's not even even relevant to what I'm saying right now. Um, But it was there, like, the last night, it's New Year's Eve, and you're, like, in this, like, five-hour worship set, and it went by like that. So quick. And I know you all read the verses in the Bible where it says, like, in heaven we're going to be worshiping God 24-7. And you're like, that sounds terrible. Like, I don't want to do that. But I want to tell you, like, I, I could have stayed in that room forever. Like, I could have stayed there the rest of my life, and I would have been, like, perfectly happy. It was the greatest thing ever to be around, like, 30,000 people my own age, like, worshiping God with everything they had. Like, there were people manifesting, and I'd never really seen that before, and I don't know if you know what that means, but it's like, these people are, like, shaking, or they're, like, you know, doing all this weird stuff, and I was like, ah, okay. Like, God, I'm all about how you want to work in people, but please don't do that to me. Like, I don't want to do that. There's, like, literally, we were sitting by the bathroom one of the nights, and there was somebody that was being carried to the bathroom. There was one friend under each of their arms, and their legs were dancing. (laughs) Their legs were dancing. And I was like, that's weird, but whatever. I don't even care. Like, I was so uncomfortable for most of that, but seriously, like, I felt like I was home in a city that I had never been to around a bunch of people that I didn't know. I knew one person there. But that was it. Like, that was it. I worship in response to God. You're not, like, throwing God a bone when you worship him. Like, hey, God, did you see what I just did there? I raised my hands in worship. That was pretty cool, huh? You know, no. It's, (laughs) you worship in response to him. God is so good that you should want to respond to him. Like, like seriously, people should be running up here on their, getting on their knees every night because God is so good. And if you don't know that, if you're not living in response to God, in response to his goodness, in response to, to who he is, in response to what he's done for you, then you don't know him. You don't know him infinitely good too he's infinitely everything but he's infinitely good he's not boring like i know that it's weird to raise your hands but like god loves it when you do that you're responding to him it's like god i look weird but i love you like awesome you know get on your knees no one likes to be on their knees it hurts (laughs) but god loves it god loves it when you do that like 
I don't, I don't love doing a lot of things that I know that I have to do because God loves it. And I'm living for him. My life is about him. It's not about me. It's not about my sensitive knees. <laughs> you know, it's not about the fact that I don't like to raise my hands because my shoulders get tired. And, you know, it's not about any of that. So I want to challenge you guys tonight, rather than like, okay. <laughs> I'm so distracted. Rather than standing in your chair and just like, oh, God, meet me. Do something about it. You want God to move in your life? Do something about it. There, there are so many points in my life where I could have hung up the towel. I could, have, I could have said, forget it, God. Like, you want me? Come get me. That's not how it works. The, the Bible says, ask, seek, knock, and door will be open for you. God only opens the door if you go after it. Like, you gotta knock on it. And if you're not knocking on it and you're standing there and you're like, well, God, why don't I know you? And why aren't you, you know, like, why don't I know that you're good? And why don't I feel you? And why don't I, like, all this stuff? Do something! Raise your hands. Get on your knees. Talk to somebody. Have somebody pray for you. Find a leader. Tell them what's going on in your life. Guarantee you God will meet you every step you take. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I'm just kidding, I'm just kidding. But seriously, guys, like, my life is a testimony that I didn't know God two years ago. I knew nothing. Nothing. I was freaked out by it. Like, I came to church, there's people, like, raising their hands. I'm like, what the heck are these people doing? Like, who does that? Like, you know that there's no one watching you right now, right? Like, what are you doing? But I... I can't tell you all of the things that I've done that have been so uncomfortable. The first time I raised my hands in church, I was like, everybody's looking at me. Oh my gosh. But whatever, you do it. And God met me every step I took. There is not one time that I said, God, I need you right now, that he didn't come through. Not one time. I guarantee it's the same for your life because he's just as faithful to anybody as he is to me. And I'm not even, I'm not even like this super Christian, like super faithful, do everything that God says. Like, I screw up frequently. And he's still faithful to me. So like, what are you going to do about that? And lastly, I worship God because I believe so much in his power and I believe so much in his ability to transform that I want others to see that. I want others to know God and I know that the only way that that happens is if he's shining through me. If my life puts him on display, if I'm worshiping him, he's coming out of me. It's not me anymore. And I want others to know. Like, I want my family to know. Like, I want to go home and be so different that they're like, what happened to you, you know? I mean, they already think that, but it's that's a whole other story. <laughs> but seriously, guys, like, we have the Holy Spirit in us. We have the same spirit in us that Jesus had in him. And the spirit that's in me is in you, is in you, is in you, is in you. I want you to think of, like, the best Christian you've ever known. You have everything that they have. Everything. There's not one thing lacking. Abilities manifest in different ways. You know, different giftings, different passions, whatever. You are called to do something great. Something great. You're not called to stand here in front of a chair every Thursday and nothing else. There's something for your life. There are people that you're supposed to point to Jesus. There's someone that you're supposed to talk to. There's something that you're supposed to do. There's all these things, but you got to know God first. You got to love him. Or else you're going to be trying to do all these things. You're going to be building all of this cool ministry stuff, and it's going to mean nothing. On a lighter note... Like, like bipolar here. I'm going like up and down, different emotions. How do I live a life of worship? I'm pretty sure I just covered this. Take hold of your faith. Step out of your comfort zone. Eagerly desire spiritual gifts. That gift that you think is weird, that thing that you don't want to do, eagerly desire it. What is it? Like, like I want... 
I want you to imagine all these, these 22 kids at Disneyland. We're like standing outside the gate, and that like five-person line to get in is like the longest thing ever. They're like, come on, I want to go to Disneyland. Like, Indiana Jones is filling up right now. Like, get me in there. Like, they are eager. Every fiber of their being wants to get through those gates and onto those rides. God is better than Disneyland, guys. He's better than that. So much better. Infinitely better. God is Disneyland times everything you can imagine plus infinity. So do, what, do you, what do you do? Like, do you eagerly desire the gifts? If you don't, you don't know God. You don't love him. Because his gifts are awesome. They're awesome. Way better than anything your parents give you at Christmas. I don't care what your parents give you. Lay your sin before God. And this has always been kind of a hard one for me because it's like you go into that like little kid that's just done something wrong and you like cower in the corner. Like, I don't want to talk to you right now, God. I just did something bad. But David in Psalm 51, it's like another one of my favorites. <laughs> don't laugh at me. And he's just saying, God... He's just committed adultery, gotten a married woman pregnant, and then sent her husband on a death mission. Like, the guy is royally screwed up. Like, totally screwed up. Worse than I... Like, I can't... I don't even know, like, what he was feeling. But what does he do? He comes to God, and he says, Forgive me according to your loving kindness. Forgive me of my transgressions according to your unfailing love. Forgive me because you're awesome and I just screwed up, but you still love me. He's drawing on God's personality. He's drawing on the attributes of God. Like, you're faithful, you're this, you're that, and I screwed up, but this life is not about me. And he goes on at the end of that, and he he says, Create in me a pure heart, O God. A, A a pure heart its the only way to love God. God is perfectly holy. Perfectly holy. He can't live in, like, sin can't be in God. God doesn't sin. He hates sin. But he'll take it if you'll lay it before him. He'll get rid of it. So if, it's gone. But you've got to lay it before him. And then you've got to ask him, like, I know I screwed up, but, but make me clean again. And you have to do this daily. Like, I can't count the number of things that we do to, like, defile ourselves. We're, you know, just piling all this stuff. Ask him. Ask him. Tell him everything. Everything you've ever done. He knows already. And he'll take it. Recognize your shortcomings. John Piper had a really good good quote in a sermon that I couldn't find. But um, it went something, you know, along the lines of like, knowing what you're not good at, like knowing your shortcomings, knowing where you fall, is worship to God. Knowing your weakness, reinforcing those areas, that's worship to God. You have a problem with something and you go get an accountability partner, you're worshiping God in that moment. You, you have a problem with your computer, you know, like you're doing something you don't be doing on there, and you throw that computer away, you're worshiping God by throwing something away. Know what you're not good at. Know what you can't do. Know what is too much. Like I, I'm, I consider myself a pretty strong person, but... Uh, like, there's just certain areas in my life where I cannot get it straight. I can't. And so what do I do? I, I go to one of my friends. I go to someone I trust. Like, I can't figure this out. Like, I'm struggling with the same thing over and over again. That's worshiping God. Hate your sin. Starting with your own. I think it's easy to hate sin. It's not so easy to hate the sin that's in you. 
And if you don't hate the sin in you, but you hate the sin in others, then you're that guy trying to pull the speck out of someone else's eye when you've got the log in your own. I never want to be that person. Or you're the person that, like, is so hard on yourself. Like, you hate sin so much that every time you screw up, God's grace is covering you. Like, hate your sin, but know that God loves you. Side note. Testify. Tell someone what God is doing in your life. We'll overcome by the blood of the Lamb and the word of our testimony. Testify about what God is doing in your life. Tell somebody. Tell somebody. Seriously, like, before the end of the week, and it's Thursday, so you guys don't have that much time. Tell somebody what God is doing in your life right now. If you don't have a testimony for right now, you don't know God. He's constantly working. Whether you're in the desert, whether you're in, you know, whatever season you're in, God's doing something. It might be painful. Maybe he's pulling weeds. Whatever he's doing, he's doing something to testify. Recognize what God's doing in your life. That's worship. Don't entertain a false gospel. Don't stand for false things. In, in Second Corinthians, Paul warns, is, is talking to them, warning them about, um, you know, just being deceived by this false gospel that they just, they, what did he say? He says you readily put up with it. So it's not even that they, uh, that they accepted it as their own. It's not even that they, like, started, you know, going after this gospel, but they just put up with it. Don't put up with fake stuff. It's wrong. It's not God. It's not God. It's, it's, it, it, even, even if it doesn't deceive you, maybe it's going to deceive somebody else. Don't entertain, don't entertain it. it. Don't, don't, don't allow, allow yourself to be knocked off course in any direction. Get rid of get it, rid of it. Right, when it right when it comes in. in. Don't, don't, don't let it become, let it become commonplace in your life. This last one, last one I want it. Oh, wait, no, wait. I lied. I lied. Keep your eyes fixed, fixed on Jesus. Jesus. Bring it back, Bring it back the to the basics when you have to. In, in, in Revelation, Revelation 4, 4 um, um, Jesus, Jesus is talking, talking to the church, to the church in Ephesus. He says, but I have, but I have this against you, that you have, you have left, your, left your first love. Therefore, remember, remember you where you have fallen, fallen and, 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 and do the deeds you did at first. Wherever you go in your relationship, wherever depth, whatever height takes you do, don't forget. Don't forget where you're coming from. Don't forget, don't forget where you fell from. from. Don't forget who's constantly saving you. It's not you. It's not your it's not ministry. Your ministry. Keep, your Keep your eyes fixed on, fixed on him. Life is Life so is much so easier when you're, when you're, when you're just looking at him and not everything around. Because everything around is confusing and everything around wants your attention. Jesus is the only one that's meant to have it. I want to challenge, challenge you today that if worship has become, become a religious, religious burden, burden to you, then stop. stop. And go back. Go back, go back go to back who you believe God is. God is here. Like, yeah, there, there's, there's, there, that's the problem. If you have trouble worshiping him, it's because you have a false view of who he is. Guaranteed. Any problem in life, it's a worship problem. So I think, I think I have all of these all of visions, visions for my life, life right? right? I want to do, I want to get this job, I want to do that, whatever. But I never really thought about, like, what do I want my relationship with God to look like? We read about these people in the Bible, like, I want to be like Paul, where I've been beaten, and, you know, I'm, I'm totally torn up, like, probably wouldn't even recognize me. I'm thrown in prison for worshiping God, for talking about God, for, for telling the truth, put in prison, and I still choose to worship him in there. Like, like Paul is in prison singing to God. He, and the people that put him in prison for that very thing are standing around him. Like, that's intense. And I don't know if I'd do that. But that's what I want to be. 
I want to be like David, where he, he does all these great things, royally screws up, and comes right back to God, doesn't even mess around with anything else. I want to be like those guys carrying their paralyzed friends. I want to call Liz out really quick. If, you, if you've never heard Liz pray, it's like, uh, whoa. Like, like, she prays. She's praying these things, and I feel so convicted because she's like, God, you're so great, and I love you so much. And she's like weeping because she knows God. She knows that God is faithful, and she knows what it means to love God, and she knows all these things, and it's bringing her to tears. That's worship. That is love. That's a relationship with God. Like, if, if he doesn't bring you, if he's never brought you to tears, you're missing out. You're missing out. Oh, Matthew seven twenty three. that's the verse that says, I never knew you, in case you were wondering. So I want to I want to leave you with a couple of more things that don't quite fit into this sermon, but they're just God really laid them on my heart for this group. So if if you guys want to come back up, it'd be great. God is more concerned with your eternal well being than He is with this life. If you place so much value on your life here on Earth, you are going to be so confused. Because God cares about you, he cares about your life, but God is eternal. He's not, he's not confined to time like we are. He knows that, that if, he knows if you died tomorrow where you would go. He knows. So if he calls you to die for him, whatever, he knows, it's going to be great. I think we get so confused, like, why would God call me to do this? And why? Like, why, why, why? Stop asking why, because it's our minds are finite. God is infinite. We can't understand. It's, it's part of faith. It's part of trusting. If it doesn't make sense to you, it makes sense to God, and that's all that really matters. And if you love him with everything, and you trust him, and you believe that he's faithful, you can do it, because you know, like, he's going he's gonna to come through. It's not a problem. I just want to, from personal experience, your life will never make sense unless you get an eternal mindset. Ever. I think, like, I, I wonder to myself, like, well, how did Jesus do all of those things? Like, it seems like it would be so hard. He's wandering, and he doesn't, you know, know where he's going to sleep next, and he doesn't know where his next meal is going to come from. He knew the eternal. He was aware of it, and he was living for it. I think our age group is, is, there's not a lot expected from us, you know? We're like the rebellious, like, misfit crowd that, like, all the churches are like, they're going to leave, but they'll come back later, or whatever, People aren't going to, there are very few people in this world, there are some, and if you find them, hold on to them tight. There are very few people in this world who are going to expect much from you. But if you let that define you, you're not going to do anything. Your life is going to be boring, and it's going to be stale, and you're not going to see God's power. You're not going to see him move. Ask God what he expects. Because his expectations are perfect. So I want to leave you with this. This is my last point. In Revelation 2, 15 to 16, Jesus says, I know your deeds that you are neither cold nor hot. I wish that you were cold or hot. So because you are lukewarm and neither hot nor cold, I will spit you out of my mouth. God doesn't want half in, half out. He's an all-consuming fire. He requires everything. 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 I, believe me, I know he's taken everything. But it, when you finally give him everything, it's the most freeing thing you'll ever experience. And, and I just want to challenge you right now that if you, if you're going to love God, 
do it all the way. And if you're not going to love him with everything and you're not going to give him everything, don't do it at all because you're wasting your time. He says it right here. He doesn't, if you're lukewarm, he doesn't want that. He wants you, but he doesn't want lukewarm Christians. He doesn't want half in, half out followers. He doesn't want any of that. So what are you going to do? Like, make your choice tonight. Are you going to follow him totally or are you not going to follow him at all? Because it needs to be one or the other. And then you can get stuck in that lukewarm area where it's like, well, I'm kind of living for God. And then I think that those are like some of those people that are going to come to the end of their life and God's going to say, I never knew you. But deep in your heart, like you knew. You knew that you didn't know. You knew that you were lukewarm. You knew that you had doubts. You knew that you weren't doing it completely. Like you knew that you were holding on to areas. And none of us are going to be perfect. Like if we could give God everything, if we could literally worship him with everything that we had perfectly, like we'd be Jesus. It's not going to happen in this life, but, but you, can, you can give it your all. You can try. God knows where your heart is. He knows that you want to worship him with everything or that you want to worship him and something else. So choose tonight. God wants every single one of you in here. Every single one. There's not one person sitting in here that God's like, oh, that's okay. He wants all of you jealously wants all of you, jealously loves all of you. So make your decision. Are you going to follow him or are you going to not? And what are you going to do about it? How are you going to own your faith? Are you going to come up here and jump around during worship? Are you going to raise your hands? Are you going to get on your knees? Are you going to talk to that person that you knew you were supposed to talk to? What are you going to do? Guarantee you, whatever step you take, God is going to be cheering you on. He's like, all right, let's do it. He's ready. Like, you're not going to do anything that freaks God out. You know, he's like, oh, <laughs> a really bad dance move you got there. He loves it. He loves it. He wants us to be like kids. Kids don't care. They do whatever they want. So let's do that tonight. Come out front. Get on your knees. Cry, weep, ask God to do something in you. I guarantee that there was at least one thing in this, in this whole sermon that convicted you. Ask God to work it out. Ask him to root things out of you. Ask him, ask him for anything. He'll do it. He's faithful. He's nice. He's not going to bite you. What? Okay, that's it. I just want to pray before we close so you guys can go ahead and stand. Because that's what we do. And seriously, encourage you guys, this whole area is open. It's all open if you want to come up here during worship. God will love it. He'll love it. God, we just thank you for, for who you are, for the amazing God that you are, for the amazing things that you have, that you are perfect, that you are infinite, that there's nothing bad in you. You are the author of all good things, the creator of every good gift. And I thank you that you, you want each and every one of us, that each one of us here is marked. That you know our names, that you've, you've pulled our ticket, God, that you're ready for us. I just pray that tonight that you would refocus our eyes, that we would be able to, to, to fix our eyes on you, to fix our eyes on eternity. And not be so caught up in this little this little sliver of life. God, show us what's important. Realign us. God, find the cracks in our foundation and fill them. Keep falsehood away from us, God. Keep lies away from us. Protect us. God, I just pray for any person in here that's feeling condemned right now that you would would just surround them, God. That, That that condemnation has no place in you. God, I just pray for a new level of boldness in this group, a new level of boldness in our age group, a new level of boldness in our generation. God, I thank you that you have such amazing plans for everybody. And it involves you, and it involves worshiping you, and that that is the most incredible experience that any of us will ever get.
God, I just pray that you would just break in so powerfully into this place tonight. God, and that you would just delight in our worship, that you would that you would delight in our response to you. God, we love you so much. God, would you show us more of you? Would you help us to fall even deeper in love with you? All we want tonight, God, is to know you, to feel you, to touch you, and we're, we're running to you. We're coming after you, God, and would you meet us? God, I thank you that you are so faithful, and you are so good, and you are perfect. God, we just worship you tonight. We just thank you for who you are. In Jesus' name, amen.